You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome in everybody to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and let them know that Locked On sent you. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today, most of the show is going to be dedicated to a really fun interview that I had with Jackson Erdman. He's a quarterback prospect coming out. He is uh, going to throw at the University of Minnesota's Pro Day, which is likely going on close to or around when you're listening to this. It's on Thursday, uh, April 1st. But you probably don't know Jackson Erdman as the QB prospect throwing at U of M's Pro Day from St. John's. You probably know him as the championship quarterback for the FCF, the fan-controlled football league, quarterback of the Wild Aces, also known as Dirty Dude. Uh, He came on and we talked about everything from his time at St. John's, his time in the FCF, uh, coaching him as a prospect, all that stuff, what it was like to, to have fa- plays called for him by fan vote. It was very cool. So we're going to talk about all of that stuff with him in a little bit. I'm really excited to share that conversation with you. But first, there's a couple of little notes that I want to go over. Firstly, there was a report from way earlier in the week. I haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. Uh, but Mike Hughes's recovery, according to Chris Thomason, he had a, a team source tell him that they're really excited about his recovery, that he's going to be at 100%. Of course, you kind of got to see all that to believe it. And we'll see what kind of impact Mike Hughes can have once the season actually starts. That corner room is a little bit crowded now with Patrick Peterson and Mackenzie Alexander, especially with Alexander taking a lot of the slot reps. But Mike Hughes played both outside and in the slot. Jeff Gladney played both outside and in the slot, and it's difficult to see where Mike Hughes fits in to this entire configuration. It makes a lot more sense the way the Vikings have behaved here, although, I mean, I don't know, veteran minimum guys don't tend to indicate a lot. They are more of an opportunism thing. You know, why not bring in Mackenzie Alexander, even if it is a redundancy? He costs the veteran minimum, so he doesn't come with, like, cost reduction redundancy. He just comes with like roster redundancy. And that's not necessarily a bad thing with in a sport that can injure you a whole bunch of stuff. And especially a player with the injury history of uh, Mike Hughes. But we'll have to kind of see how uh, Mike Hughes fits in if that report is even uh, even bears out, right? That could just be unfounded optimism about somebody doing workouts. And once it, act- it is actually time to come out and, you know, get on the field and take hits and make tackles, we'll see if that neck holds up. That's the kind of thing that can get re-aggravated really, really easily now that it's been re-aggravated once. Speaking of veteran minimums, the money came out for Dakota Dozier's deal. And yes, it is the veteran minimum, which also kind of reveals something about the Vikings' intentions. And the way that it came to pass was that a bunch of teams offered Dakota Dozier the veteran minimum. So the Vikings didn't outbid anybody. They just uh, offered him the veteran minimum. And he said, "Okay, I'll just go back and play with Rick Dennison, who I like playing for. So that seems to be, again, it's almost like the Patrick Peterson thing a little bit here, where he kind of chose us, not the other way around. I mean, they chose to extend the veteran minimum to him, but they probably extended veteran minimum offers to a whole bunch of players, Dakota Dozier being one of them. And so the question I I think is raised here, how much did the Vikings really want Dakota Dozier if they're only offering him the veteran minimum, right? They are paying Chad Beebe more. They're paying Nick Vigil more. 
And maybe I'm just telling myself this because it, it aligns with my priors about Dakota Dozier more, and it's a lot easier to reconcile. Okay, they agree with me that Dakota Dozier is like pretty bad, and they just kind of offered a veteran minimum, minimum anyways, because hey, why not? In terms of its actual functional opportunity cost, this isn't just the cost. The cost is like $990,000. But if you didn't pay him that $990,000, he would be displaced uh, via the cap by somebody who makes not that much less than that. So the actual functional opportunity cost, the money that you are spending on Dakota Dozier and are therefore unable to spend on somebody else that you would have otherwise been able to use if you didn't have him, is minimal. It's like a quarter million dollars or something like that. And that's never going to be the difference between getting a player that affects your team or not, right? So I think in in total, extending the veteran minimum to a number of players and Dakota Dozier just kind of like choosing you very quickly because he has familiarity, I just don't think it's very indicative of the Vikings overall plans. And, and again, maybe I'm just talking myself into this because I just don't really want to believe that they're just like okay with Dakota Dozier as a fallback plan or anything like that because I just cannot fathom watching the 2020 season season with your eyeballs open and and like seeing that i just can't imagine an nfl team with everybody they have on them being like yeah no this is all right like i struggle to see what it is they've sacrificed by bringing in dakota dozier at the veteran minimum especially when you contextualize it with they extended the veteran minimum to a bunch of players and he was just the first guy to answer of course austin blight the center from uh, the rams signed with the chiefs we saw the, the terms of that deal as well it was the veteran minimum plus like three quarters of a million dollars so not that much more and so i think it, it's totally fine to be like eh, like kind of upset about that however it seems like he's going to be playing center in kansas city where he played in in los angeles he would not play center here so maybe he just made that choice. Maybe he made the choice to play center instead of guard because that's where he was most com most comfortable. He didn't want to take a position switch. I think that's perfectly understandable, but that's just a theory. That's just me throwing something out there that I think makes sense. There's no reporting that says that one way or another or whatever. And at any rate, he chose the Chiefs over the Vikings who also had an offer out there, but were unwilling to outdo that offer by enough to convince Austin Blythe to come here, right? Which is, again, eyebrow raising, right? Like what did what were the what are the Vikings thinking here if they aren't willing to pay 2 million dollars for Austin Blythe? What are they willing to pay for a guard? Are they just only going to accept people who are willing to take the veteran minimum? If that's the case, is that even uh, something that is abnormal with the way the market is going? If guys like Austin Blythe are signing for the veteran minimum plus like three quarters of a million, are there decent players who are willing to take the minimum and that we don't know? The problem is we only know the details of the deals that were accepted, so we don't know what the deal is. Maybe the Vikings did offer $2.5 million to Austin Blythe and he chose to take less money so that he didn't have to switch positions. Again, I think that'd be a perfectly reasonable thing to do and that sounds like a perfectly plausible theory just as plausible as the Vikings saying, no, we're only going to pay the veteran minimum. Go ahead, Austin Blythe. We're, we're going to let ourselves be outbid by $750,000. Unfortunately, we just can't know one way or another unless one of the beat reporters gets wind of it and is willing to report it to us. So for now, we just kind of have to sit and wait and see what the offensive line looks like. The draft is not for a while yet, so we still have time for more offensive linemen to come in. I still think an offensive lineman will come in, and we'll cover that guy when that time comes. But for now, I want to move on to the prospect of the day. And of course, the prospect of the day is going to be Jackson Erdman, quarterback out of St. John's. 
franchise-tagged quarterback of the Wild Aces of the fan-controlled football league. We're going to get into that interview in just a second, but first I want to talk to you about your car. Are you keeping everything safe in your car? If you're a Minnesotan, you probably have an ice scraper on your car, but if you are somebody who is new to Minnesota or the Midwest in general, or somebody who maybe lives in the South and got snow for the first time this winter in like three decades or whatever it's been, you might need an ice scraper in your car. You can get that kind of thing at rockauto.com or anything you need for your car, oil, parts, anything you need. And by the way, if you go to an auto shop, like a brick and mortar place, they're going to upsell you as a retail customer versus like what they sell to mechanics. So if you don't want to get upsold, Rock Auto has you covered. They have, they charge everybody the same price. Just enter your year, your make, your model to make sure you're getting something that is compatible with your car. And you can go to rockauto.com for all of that. And in the checkout section, uh, there's a how you heard about us box. Make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you there. Because if you don't, the moon is going to crash into the earth. I mean that literally. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Also an update on Built Madness. So as of this recording, I do not know who has won between Mint Brownie and Coconut Brownie Chunk. If it is Coconut Brownie Chunk, we need to destroy it. Cookie Dough Chunk is the other team, the other, uh, the other team, the other part in, in the, the championship bracket, the championship, excuse me, the championship, the other team to make it out of the flavorful four. So head on over to BuiltBar.com or you can go to bar underscore built. You'll know more than I do here and you'll know who to vote for. If you want to try these flavors for yourself, of course, you can get that at BuiltBar.com. Enter promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15. You get 15% off of your next order. That's LOCKED15. LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So on that note, let's go to Jackson Erdman, also known as Dirty Dude, and talk about his journey toward the NFL. All right, everybody talking here on the Locked On Vikings podcast with a very fun special guest, Jackson Erdman. You might know him as Dirty or Dirty Dude, quarterback of the champion, might I add, uh, Wild Aces of the Fan Controlled Football League, also played for St. John's, had a cup of coffee with Penn State. Dirty, what's going on, man? Not much. Thanks for having me on. So I guess just for people who are are unfamiliar with you and kind of your journey, just give us the quick uh, the, the quick resume, if you will. Yep. So I started out born and raised in Minnesota, went to Rosemont okay. High School from the metro area, walked on at Penn State in 2015 season, and then ended up transferring to St. John's just more local because Penn State was like kind of going through like a offensive coordinator change. They were going away from the prototype, like pro cell offense to kind of mold the um, offense around Saquon almost. And then also gotcha. like McSorley. So, you know, not not like your traditional dual threat quarterback. So, you know, I love St. John's, love the coaching staff there, went there for four years, had a great time. We were pretty successful. I actually won the Gallardi Trophy, which is equivalent to like the D3 Heisman my junior year, and then was the runner-up my senior year. They almost went back-to-back. Um, but, yeah, had a great career, and it was a blast. So this is really cool that I get to talk to you right now because the day that this releases, when people are listening to this actually, is also going to be the University of Minnesota's Pro Day, which you are going to throw at and you're going to compete at and kind of chase your dream of, of going pro. So I guess let's talk a little bit about you as a prospect. I want to talk about the FCF a little bit too. We'll get to that if there's time, but I want to get to know you as a prospect. So let's say that I'm a, an NFL scout and I'm in a Pro Day meeting or it's like you found me in an elevator or something. What are you telling me to make me want to take you? 
I would start off saying, you know, I'm the prototypical, you know, NFL quarterback. Size-wise, arm strength, I'm like, what, 6'3", almost 6'4", 225, mm-hmm. roughly 230. I make great decisions with the ball. In my last year of college, I was one of three uh, like quarterbacks across all divisions that threw it for 5,000 yards. Um, made, yeah, make great decisions. And, you know, I'm efficient. I'm an efficient QB, and I'm going to lay it all out there. I'm going to do whatever it takes to win, to win and help the team. Love it. That's good. That's nice and concise. Good elevator. That'll fit in an elevator ride. I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I want to ask you kind of about like your dream of the NFL. Let's say it's three years from now. You're in the NFL. You look back on today and you think, man, I used to be so much worse at, at blank. What's, what's blank? What is something that if you've made it in the NFL, you can kind of look back and go like, I improved that. I, I would say that's a great question. In my areas, what I try to focus on and get better at, like when, when I'm repping at practice and stuff, is timing and um, like footwork right now. So like for example, just coming from FCF to pro day type, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird for me coming from like, well, FCF was arena football. So that was yeah. my first time ever doing arena football. It's quicker footwork, different drops. And here I'm back preparing for the pro day like in less than a week, you know, coming back mm-hmm. after FCF. And just getting back to like five steps, seven step drops, it just, it, it honestly felt a little weird and like off from like, you know, the last year when I've just been trained for NFL stuff. Um, so just getting back in the swing of that, but that's something I can always improve on and just get better at. Yeah. And it's almost like an experience that, that experience of just like adjusting from one kind of play to another, uh, that might even be like something valuable as you might need to switch between a bunch of teams in the NFL, try out at a bunch of training camps, try this, try that, and have to learn like new footwork, new drops, new terminologies and all that stuff, which leads me to another question. There's a lot of different schemes in the NFL. There's a lot of different teams that are doing different things. There are wide zone teams. that are more like drop back, you know, vertical air Coriel type teams. If you could play for any offensive coordinator, any play caller, any offensive mind, current or former, I would love to know what name, like what name and what kind of uh, like offensive brain you would love to play for. Ooh, that that's a great question. Okay, so I love Joe Brady because when I walked down at Penn State, he was actually like a GA there at the time, hmm. and then before then he went to like NFL and now he's with Carolina. So, like, not entirely, you know, like, my favorite type of offense, but, you know, love him just as a guy. There's a connection, yeah. Yes, the connection. And he's, like, made, obviously, huge jumps, you know, from when Mm -hmm. I knew him the last couple of years in strides. So, that would be a blast as well. But it's going to be different for me, too, because I loved, like, the empty set at St. John's, whereas we did fast-paced, no-huddle, empty set. And you don't really see many teams, like, doing that, you know, in the NFL. Um, so it, it's going to be different wherever I go. But like McVeigh kind of. Say it again? McVeigh kind of a little bit. He's, he uses a little more empty. I think, I think Cliff yeah. does too. Cliff Kingsbury. Definitely. But like, like St. John's, we were like almost like, I, mm. I'd even say like, like 50% empty, you know, like a mm. ton and everything. So yeah, different than most NFL teams. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, that's awesome. So I have a whole bunch of questions. This is more for me than the audience, to be honest, about the FCF. I want to ask you about all that stuff because I think that's a really cool project. And I'm so super glad that, you know, they, unlike the XFL, they got through a season and that's awesome. And and you, you hoisted the trophy. So in just a second, everybody stick around. So we're going to talk a little bit of Wild Aces. So yeah, more with uh, Dirty Dude coming up. But first, I want to talk to you about Grambling. The final four is here. UCLA. I mean, we're all pulling for UCLA, right? Not me. Go Zags. 
But if you want more of a stake in it, you want to get yourself in on some uh, some rambling action, you can head on over to betonline.ag, set yourself up with a free account. You can do that on your computer or your mobile device and enter promo code locked on. You get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up and put in your first deposit. That means for every $100 in your first deposit, you get a free $50 to play with. That's free grambling money. Head on over to betonline.ag. You can bet on college basketball, which is the big thing right now. You can bet on NFL futures, baseball, hockey, whatever you like. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Are you ready for the NFL Draft? Join Locked On NFL Draft hosts Trevor Sikema and Benjamin Solak as they give you their latest positional rankings and analysis on 2021 draft prospects with team-centric guest mocks coming right around the corner. Follow the Locked On Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, we're back here with Jackson Erdman, also known as Dirty, and I want to talk to you about the Wild Aces. So first day, week one, I signed up for the Wild Aces, so I am all in. Uh, the Aces Wild, the championship, they, they won it. I wasn't able to actually sit down and watch the championship, but I was super excited. I was following all the like score updates. Uh, so for those who have not heard of it, explain the, the FCF as a league. So my, I think the best way of describing the FCF, and it, it's a lot going on. You know, there's a lot of movie parts. People see the mm-hmm. promotions on like Instagram, Twitter, everything. And it, it's a lot. They, they're great with the brand. But kind of what FCF is, is it's essentially an in-person Madden kind of mm-hmm. combined with fantasy football. So in a sense, the fans will call the plays. Every week they draft the teams, which is kind of the fantasy aspect. They draft, you know, your quarterback you want for you that that, see, or that, that week, the running backs, wide receivers. And then after the game's over, like you start fresh pretty much with a mm-hmm. new team and you draft every week. And as far as the Madden side, you're literally calling the plays if you're a fan. So it comes up kind of in ask madden format if you're not familiar with that they'll like give you like six different plays to choose from you vote on it whichever has the most votes that's what play we run yeah and uh so i guess there's a couple really interesting questions there's the arena football aspect to this there's the idea so you got like the franchise tag designation with the wild aces so you were always on the wild aces but your teammates always changed which means all of this means there's so much to get used to every single week so tell me about getting used to playing with like new players all the time Definitely different. <laughs> Especially, yeah. I love being tagged right away because I knew which team I had, and then I could c- communicate with my owners. So I was like literally in a group text with the owners, like Greg Miller, Austin Eckler, Jack Settleman, Rachel Lindsay, Barbara, um, and then they would like push on social media too in their streams. Or like Greg Miller would always do live streams. I don't know if you ever tuned into them, but he's like, "Hey, like we like this guy. We should get on this like this." So I kind of gave him a list, um, which helped a ton. And like we kind of like had roughly the same like wide receiver group like throughout the entire season which helped me a ton but like at the start of the season like we have a pool of players that the fans choose from and a universal playbook so like you can go to all different teams and still be fine but it was tough i'm like i have no idea who i'm gonna play with trying to get chemistry and training camp with like roughly it was like 25 different receivers and then like some would make the cuts and everything so it was tough but like the franchise takes helped a lot and kind of like what you said franchise tag is like once you're tagged you're on that team for a season so i was tagged at the start of the season and then every week after that we added a tag so our next tag was a running back and then the week after that was wide receivers so that absolutely helped you know just kind of give that connections um early on in the season 
Yeah, that's super sick. And all of those experiences, it feels like, like, listen, when you go into one of those, like the Spring League, or, or if you were AAF or XFL or this too, there's always going to be a little bit of skepticism, I feel like, from league minds. So if you had to convince a league mind, like, no, listen, this experience made me somebody who is uniquely suited, and, and it gave me skills you want, what are those skills? I would say just like adaptability. Like there were so many unknowns and like FCF, the bottom line, like there's no audibles, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was good and bad, especially from St. John's. I called a lot of my own plays when we go no huddle. Whereas here, I don't know which play we're calling until literally 10 seconds before we're supposed to snap the mm-hmm. ball. And no matter like what the defense was in, um, we had to run the play. And so just like finding who was open based on the coverage, the play, and, you know, just finding the open guy. So adaptability and just the season as a whole too, you know, like it was the first inaugural season. So a lot of hiccups along the way, but, sure. you know, we're still able to persevere throughout the whole season. And then just, you know, my knowledge and like, you know, learning too, like it was able yeah. to pick like the new offense, first time in arena, completely new, like league concepts and everything. Um, but, you know, still we, we had a successful season and we ended up winning it all. So yeah, it, yeah. it, was, it was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And the arena aspect is interesting, too, because that's what it was seven on seven, right? Yeah. Yep, yeah. So what what gets different playing seven on seven on a 50 yard field? Oh, it was really, really weird to me at first. because This is my <laughs> first time I've ever played arena football or anything like this. Mm-hmm. So for those of you listening and not like familiar, it's not like seven on seven where there's no linemen and all throwing. It's mm-hmm. it's like three linemen, but two of them could potentially be tight ends. So you could only really have like one lineman and then two tight, tight ends going out with like three different receivers. Um, but it's any combination of three linemen and then three receivers and a quarterback or three linemen, two tight ends or running back and a quarterback. But the smaller field, it was different. You know, there's a lot of quicker like decisions because the smaller field, quicker windows thrown and everything. So that too, you know, just kind of transitions to, to the NFL with the next speed, you know, getting the ball, rid of the ball quicker, you know, putting it on target and like a lot of tighter windows and everything too. But yeah, it was trippy at first, but got used to it. It's it's super fun. Uh, thank you so much for for coming around and and talking to us. Uh, so you are going to be at University of Minnesota's Pro Day again. So if there's a way to uh, check that out or watch that, we'll make sure to link all that stuff in the show notes. If there's anything you want to plug now is the time, uh, social media or a project or something. Let the people know where they can find you. Just social media is Journey Dude, J E R D Y Dude, across everything. Appreciate the support. So I'm really excited for tomorrow's show because I get to talk about some really uh, in-depth scheme stuff when it comes to Mackenzie Alexander and slot corners. The Vikings have spent a ton on slot corners, right? They have Mackenzie Alexander back. They got two first round picks in the room that are going to play like nickel corner, right? So what's the deal with that? And what the answer to that question in researching and kind of looking up the answer to that question, I actually learned a lot about match coverage and interesting schematic stuff. So I'm really excited to talk uh, about that with you. Keep doing prospect of the day stuff. And then of course, coming next week, we've got more mock draft Mondays, more draft content and we'll cover the new offensive lineman whenever that person joins. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL, shows on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. I'll see y'all tomorrow, and as always, Skull.